Hello and Happy New Year! Let's hope it's a better one, shall we? Welcome to Talking Dogs. It's a real pleasure to have you with me. I'm Graham Hall and for well over a decade I've been showing humans how to train their adorable but often defiant dogs. I'm known as the Dog Father and you might recognise my voice from television's Dogs Behaving Badly. This podcast is the place where I can bring even more experience, advice and opinions in the hope that if you're running out of ideas you'll leave with a couple of new training tips to try. Today I want to talk about taking your dog for a walk and all the potential issues and questions that arise as a result. Before I get into how to walk your dog, I wanted to give you a quick update on Lorna and her dog Maisie. Now, you might remember them from our episode on sleeping arrangements. Lorna had asked uh, how to get a new rescue dog to settle at home once she brought her home, and she sent me this lovely update. Uh, Thanks for the advice for Maisie. I don't know uh, what I was worried about. She settled amazingly well within a week. Uh, Even the vet was surprised how calm she is. The long walks have been great for settling her at night, uh, and she's learning how to play. Isn't that nice? Uh, It's lovely to see her starting to relax and become more confident, and I'm sure this will keep going. That's great to hear. I'm really pleased for you, Lorna. Okay, so in a bit I'll be seeing how I can help with a stubborn Labrador who keeps lying down and refusing to move when she's out for a walk. But first, let's go right back to basics. First up, what sort of kit do you need? Um, Leads, collars, harnesses, all that stuff. I think it's horses for courses. If you've ever seen me on a telly, you might see once or twice that I'll take off a harness and put a collar on a dog. But I've done the opposite as well, particularly with the short-nosed breeds, the ones that are struggling to breathe these days. A collar can can be a problem for them. Or if there's a a, a neck problem or something like that, I wouldn't use a collar. So harnesses can be helpful. For those smaller dogs that have got breathing problems, I'll often use what I call a front pull harness. They attach to the front of the harness and it gives you a bit of direction when you're trying to guide them on the lead. The problem with those is that if it's not designed to have the lead attached at the front, so often they have a little ring on them and it's actually to put your ID tag on and they're just not strong enough to put your your proper lead on. So make sure it's designed for that if you're going to use a front pull harness. Some of the other harnesses that you see around, and they're, they're really, really common now, were actually designed for protection dogs um for example the sort of dogs that the police train and that kind of thing for holding them back when the handler's sort of revving them up revving them up about to let them go and attack the man in the suit you know the big padded suit thing so holding him back while he kicks off and barks and all the rest of it means that he can pull and pull and pull and and fill his lungs with air and bark and bark back before you let them go that's not really the ideal thing when you're walking a dog and that's why sometimes i'll take a harness off the harness means they can put their chest into it they can breathe deeply which of course is fine but it puts them at a a massive advantage over you think of it this way if you've ever seen a dog pulling a sled or a cart or that kind of thing whether it's uh, a husky in the Arctic or it's one of those, you know, sort of mountain dogs pulling a pulling a cart around in, in Germany and the Alps and that, they're always on a harness, aren't they? They're not pulling on a collar. When I'm thinking of harnesses, I often think of those uh, world's strongest man competitions, you know, the ones uh, where you've got this big strong man pulling an articulated lorry along, uh, leaning into it. Of course, they're on a harness, aren't they? So they can stick their chest into it and it gives them the power to pull a truck. They wouldn't have a collar on to do it, would they? So a harness can be a problem sometimes. Now, having said that, I've seen some 
sort of scientific reports suggesting that a collar can do damage to a dog. And of course, that's absolutely true. So in particular, I saw um, a study that came out in 2020. Basically, the scientists had put a collar on a plastic pipe that was about the size of a dog's neck, and then they measured the pressure. Uh, with a pressure sensor and came to the conclusion that that would, you know, it could cause damage to a dog. And I, and I think that's absolutely right. I think it's horses for courses. It's how you use uh, a collar and a harness that, that's the important thing to remember here. If you're going to use a collar, um, thinking about the material, I, I'm not so bothered whether it's um, a kind of webbing type or it's leather. Leather's quite good. I quite like leather, I've got to say. There's a reason that for donkey's years it's been used as a material for leads and collars because it's it's a natural thing that's that, that's it's strong, it's bendy, it's fine. But, you know, if you if you don't like using animal products, I understand, then, of course, you're better off sticking with, um, you know, with a nylon webbing. That's fine. The key thing to look at is the fastening it's rarely the material that breaks it's always the fastening in my experience whether that's a metal buckle or it's one of those plastic clippy things together some of the best ones i've seen have got like a double d arrangement so they've got the plastic clip that clips in together which is nice and quick but instead of relying on that there's a d-ring either side of the clip and the two d-rings come together and you put the lead through the two i think they're really good because it's the best of both worlds you can click them on and off really quickly but you're not relying on the strength of the plastic to hold your dog in place When I'm doing my private one-to-one -one client work, I, I work my way from the dog to the person when I'm describing what the system is in terms of getting the lead right. So let's start at the dog's end. So we've got the right collar. Let's say if we're using a collar, um, where does that need to be? Well, it needs to be high up on the dog's neck, so right behind his ears. The further down you are, the closer you are to the dog's chest, and that's kind of their centre of power. So have it high up. In order for it to stay high up, it needs to be quite snug. So not tight, it shouldn't be affecting their breathing, of course, but you'd be surprised how snug that could be. So if you slide sort of three or four fingers flat under the collar, that'll be fine. Depends on the size of your dog. I would say bigger dogs, about four fingers. Smaller dogs, you know, three or even two fingers would, would do it. If your dog's got long hair, it's going to stay in place a lot more easily. The tricky ones are, uh, for example, uh, greyhounds, whippets, you know, dogs like that have got really silky fur that's very short hair and it slides down anyway. So you'll never entirely keep it in place. So we've got the collar on the dog. It's the right kind of collar. It's in the right place. <laughs> we've not even got further than the dog yet. So now let's think about the lead. So the lead length is the key thing here. We don't want any tension on the lead. I'll come to why that is in, in a sec. But in order for there not to be tension, there's got to be, it stands to reason, a little bit of slack. So you want a J shape to your lead. So it comes from the dog, it drops down a little bit, and then comes up to you. It doesn't need to be five foot long in order to be slack, but it just needs to be slack at the dog's end. Often, I think people confuse the length that they're giving the dog with the tension. You know, if it's slack at your dog's end, it's slack. It doesn't matter whether it's slack and attached to a little bit of slack or, or more, if you see what I mean. Just that J-shape is the way to think of it. The reason you don't want tension on the lead, something called opposition reflex. Now, if you really want to get into the technicalities of it, this reflex action may or may not be a reflex. Depends, you know, you talk to the various experts on this. But here's the effect this has. If you're stood still and somebody grabs your shoulder let's say and pulls you off to one side you're going to pull the opposite way really quickly just to keep yourself upright because your brain says i'm falling over so it gives you an instant reaction the other way you don't have to think about doing it 
In fact, you'd even bump your head in the wall the other side in order to get away. It's just what we do. So it's called opposition reflex because it's, it's an action in the opposite direction and it's a reflex action or not as the case may be. I don't really care about the technicalities of it. It happens. So if you put tension in down the lead to a dog, the dog will pull the other way. So often people will say, you've got a problem with dog. Oh, it travels down the lead. You know, like it was some kind of magic or, or electrons or something. It's not. It's just a physical reaction. You pull one way, the dog will pull the other. There's a compromise to be struck with the length of the lead. If you get it too short, they're going to be pulling a lot because it's tight and therefore they pull against you. If it's too long, then they can get a long way before you're able to stop them. So it's like ding, 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 doof, and you're kind of big dog, you're off your feet because they've <laughs> got some momentum going on. So it's just getting the, the right length. Not too short, not too long. One of the very, very first cases that I ever did was a Springer Spaniel that was owned by an elderly lady in North Ants, where I was based at the time. And said she'd been pulled over by this dog a number of times. And I thought, okay, fair enough, let's see what's happening. So when I when I turned up, she wasn't being pulled over at all. She was actually being tripped up by the dog because the lead was so long that the dog was just wandering left and right in front of her. And time and time again, he'd just dart across in front of her. And whoops, off over she went, bless her. So it wasn't a case of pulling, it was a case of the lead being too long and therefore she was tripping with the opposition reaction it happens in any direction so let's imagine you're walking along the dog's on the left hand side and as you're walking the dog moves away from you further and further away to the left right you pull them back towards you to the right they're pulling left you're pulling right left right left right tug of war so in any direction including behind you if you just hold on for dear life and drag them in the direction you want to go you'll actually create the opposite effect ironically now what i have found is that some dogs have a stronger opposition reflex than others there are some dogs that you can just put the smallest amount of pull into a lead and they they absolutely pull against it you may have a dog like that in which case you think very carefully about any tension that you're holding in the lead the irony of this is that our natural reaction when a dog starts to pull away from us is to pull back of course but if you pull back, you create more of what you didn't want. There's a traditional way to hold a lead uh, across your body. So you've kind of got the, the, the lead, let's say, horizontal across your body. It's kind of the way it's been done for years. If you go back far enough, it's because they were using two hands and two arms to yank away on a check chain, which I, I never use. And it was all very brutal. You actually don't need the two hands at the front. And I, and I just think it becomes very difficult, particularly if you've got more than one dog, nigh and impossible. I prefer to hold the lead in one hand and make sure it's nice and secure around my hand. I can always put both hands together if I'm in trouble and a dog starts to pull, but uh, I'd always use it on, on one hand and it's always the hand nearest the dog. On that, there's no right and wrong side for your dog to be walking for me. Traditionally, it's always the left hand side, lots of reasons for that but I don't think it matters. So you may prefer your dog on the right-hand side. I always say to clients, look, you know, whichever side you, you want, I'm happy with that, but stick to it. Uh, if you start to chop and change left and right, how's your dog to know where they're meant to belong? So you will get one of those dogs that crisses and crosses and trips you up. 
I'll tell you a story. I was training a lady in Northampton, funnily enough, this is also many, many years ago, and this lady had arthritis in her hands and her wrists, but she was better holding the dog on the right-hand side. So I was training her as we walked through this area of Northampton, Moulton, if you know it, and the dog's walking on the right-hand side. And then this gentleman came across, um, who I'm sure was very well-intentioned, who said, oh, I think you'll find... <laughs> you notice people who start sentences with... I think you'll find it's never going to end well, is it? I think you'll find that's the wrong way to do it, he said. I said, well, thank you very much. I am a professional dog trainer. This lady's hiring me to show her how to do it. Ah, yes, but the the uh, the real professionals, <laughs> they always do it on the left. And I went, yeah, I know. Well, there's a reason we're doing it on the right. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Yeah, but, and he persisted a bit, and he got me back up. I said, do you know why? Why is it the dog's always on the left? He said, I don't know, but that's what they do. And I said, yeah, well, let me, would you like to know? Uh, yeah, sure. I said, well, the story goes that back in the day when people were training gun dogs, most of us are right-handed, so the gun's always in the right hand. The dog's as far away as you can get from the gun. The dog's always on the left. Dog on the left, gun on the right. That's where it comes from. So if you're in the habit of walking around Northampton with a gun, by all means, keep your dog on the left. If you're not, it really doesn't matter. Normally, the problem I get asked to help with dogs pulling is when they're pulling ahead or to the side on walks. But that's something I'm going to come back to in more detail next week. But Kelly's in Rainford, Merseyside, and she's got the complete opposite problem with her Labrador, Daisy. I have a two-year-old uh, yellow Labrador called Daisy. She's wonderful with people, children and dogs. However, Daisy's problem is that she uh, has started to lie down every time she sees another dog and sometimes people that she likes on a walk. It's as if she's preventing me from moving her so she can say hello. And usually when she does say hello, um, she's fine after that uh, and, and toddles on her way. It's really cute, but it's extremely frustrating and sometimes we've had to curtail our walk because of it, because we don't make any progress whatsoever. If I pull her up using the handle on a harness, she does the toddler thing and won't stand up. I've tried waving treats, I've tried crossing the road and I've also tried a sharp no. Any ideas? Thanks for getting in touch with me, Kelly. Um, let's have a talk about Daisy. I've seen exactly this thing before with yellow Labradors. It's by no means unique to Labradors, but it does seem to be a bit of a yellow Labrador thing. Uh, of course, people are going to be writing in saying, I've got a yellow Labrador and mine doesn't, but uh, I've seen it quite a bit. It's usually quite quick to fix if you get it right. Mm -hmm. um, you're now thinking, it's not, we've tried everything. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Why is she doing it? So she's a friendly dog. Great. She's not scared of anything. She's doing the opposite of scared she's learned that if she plonks herself down people come and love her of course they do and then it works and she gets a bit of fuss and a bit of love and that rewards the behavior of course so she goes i'll tell you what every time i see somebody i'm gonna i'm gonna just hit the deck and and that's fine is there a consequence for hitting the deck of course not because my mum tries to pick me up on the harness and i know exactly what you mean does like a toddler you end up it's like like pulling up a really heavy handbag isn't it so that's not going to work okay so you've basically got to keep moving i'd probably try a collar if i'm honest but this would apply to using the harness as well so do your best to keep your feet moving even if it's just baby steps right and give her a little tug forward or a, or a series of tugs now obviously we're not trying to hurt her but we are looking for the slightest bit of movement that we can then praise now let's go back a stage what i was saying earlier in this podcast was that 
you get the opposition reaction where if you pull forward, she'll carry on pulling back. So she's hit the deck. She's not moving. Your natural reaction is to pull forward, I guess, I'm sure, because everybody's would be. You try and pull her. She she pulls backwards against it. And you're into that tug of war, right? And it's a tug of war that you ain't, you ain't winning, basically. So the answer to that is a tug and release. So tug, release, tug, release, or flick, release, right? And the, and the flick is in the forward direction. So she starts to, you go, ah, no, tug, 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 right? Keep your feet moving a little bit. We're not trying to pull her, pull her head off of you. And then as soon as she goes, oh, for goodness sake, and, and takes a, a step or two, that's when you go into praise mode, right? Now, the timing of this is key. So what you're doing is you're saying, if you plonk yourself down, I'm just going to go tug, tug, tug. It's a bit like tapping her on the shoulder and going, oh, you, right? As soon as she moves, a bit of kind of, energetic praise right oh good girl that's good now often you'll you'll see and hear me doing very calm praise on the tv show in particular when we've got a problem that's a dog being too excited or aggressive and then they calm down and i want to keep them calm by doing calm praise this is the opposite we want to to lift her a bit to rev her up if you see what i mean so if she moves on her own accord that's the moment oh good girl or even a treat She's a Labrador. Labrador and treats, well, it's a match made in heaven. So she can only get the treat, though, when she moves forward, right? Now, what I wouldn't do is try and lure her forward using a treat when she hits the deck, because your timing is likely to be out. Because what's going to happen is she's going to go, right, here we go, there's a person coming, what's my program for this? Right, I see a person, I hit the deck, they come over and give me love. Oh, and mum's offering me a treat as well. Happy days. Bonus feature, I get love and a treat. That's every reason why she's going to carry on hitting the deck. So by all means, use a treat to reward it. But the treat needs to appear when she takes those steps forward. Really important that. Also on the subject of treats, to keep her interested in walking every now and again, you could give her a little treat. I mean, be careful not to overfeed her. So this should come out of her daily allowance. But as she's walking forward, you sort of just hang a little treat in front of her nose. And, you know, that's that. So the, the message here is forward movement is going to be rewarded when it comes to praise I, I kind of in my mind i always split it into two types excited praise and calm praise and there's a really simple rule for this if the behavior that we want is excited behavior then excited praise if you want calm behavior you want calm praise Kelly, in your case, you want the dog to be more active than she is. Well, you, you couldn't be less active than sat on the floor, could you? So once she moves, if we get some action out of her, we want a little bit of excitement. We want to lift her a bit. So you'd use excited praise in this case. So to recap, if she stops, hits the deck, don't hold on for dear life. Don't drag her forwards. That's not going to work. It's a tug and a release, tug and release. Try and keep your feet moving as soon as she gives up and goes, OK, I'll take a couple of steps, a couple of steps, excited praise, maybe a treat appears. We're making the unwanted behaviour not so attractive anymore, and we're making the, the desired behaviour moving forwards, we're making that rewarded. Well, do join me, same time, same place, next week. I'll be tackling more of the problems that you've had with your dogs out on a walk, because I think lead walking is a big issue and I, and I think we can't just cover all of this in one one uh, podcast so so uh, more of this next week we're going to talk about when dogs pull forwards on the lead or or as well if they're afraid of traffic 
Meanwhile, if you'd like my help with a different dog behaviour issue, whatever it is, do send an email or even better, a voice note. Uh, and you can email me at talkingdogs at avalonuk.com. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'd love it if you'd rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss one of our training sessions. Take care of yourself and your dog, won't you? Bye for now.